get it going on a Monday afternoon. Welcome to the People Show. I am Bick Nazar, broadcasting live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Brandon Bachelor will join the show later today in about 10 minutes. You can always be part of the show, though. 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. The smart alternative, visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. You're also going to be part of the show today because uh, a few weeks ago we did a, a Reaction Monday uh, we opened up the phone boards for you in the second half of the show. You carried the show. We're going to do that again today. I'm not slacking off, but it feels like you got a lot of things to say. We had a full boards on the postgame show last night. Didn't really get a chance to get to everyone. So we'll we'll cycle back and do a reaction Monday again today. Second half of the show, it's all yours. We'll do the people's picks, but grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 in the second half of the show Suggest call it in at about like 320, 325. Grab a phone line. Stay on hold for a bit. We'll get to you. Don't worry. Uh, but that's all on the way uh, here on the People's Show. Dominic Schermatti running the show. Elon Chark as well. Part of the show as Let's well. Let's go Knox. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen you in a week. Actually, I Yeah, guess you've I, been sick. I yeah. saw you yesterday, though. Yeah, really briefly. It was like just passing. Like you were leaving. Uh, for those who don't know... The reason the People Show wasn't around last week. Yeah, but yeah. also uh, a newly hired board op, yes. Elon. Uh, you will hit, know him from uh, many Canuck games as he famously introduces yeah. uh, the game on the big screen and his go-to catchphrase, let's go Knox. And welcome to the uh, station. Yeah, welcome to the show, Elon. Uh, all right. But, but, but yes, thank you uh, for mentioning that I wasn't here last week. By the way, if, if this flu that's going around, you get it. It's going to put you out, man. All right, let's relax. I'll just say, I was knocked out. I tried, but... Uh, that wasn't just the NyQuil? No, I wish. <laughs> uh, just drinking on some scissor for a few days <laughs> off. A uh, lot to get to today. So Canucks, uh, again, uh, doesn't go well in Boston. And speculation, what's going to happen with the coaching staff, all this sort of stuff. And I, I look at this and I say, you know, a, a phrase comes to mind for me. And, and, and you go back through the, you know, year and a half, however long you want to extend the timeline here, two seasons, three seasons, um, a, a phrase sticks out to me that the problem won't be around, say, for a year's time, but your reputation of how you deal with it will. So go back to incidents we've seen in the past year here. Start of last season. Bad start to the season. Obviously, we know how the first 25 games transpired. And what was the feeling through the last bit of those 25 games? A lot of uh, passengers in the team waiting for something to happen. When's the shoe going to drop on a coach that had been here for a few years and obviously a regime, a management group that had been here for much longer but there was a lot of just standing around waiting for something to happen. And don't you kind of get that feeling again? Also, later on, they had some success, but there was a lot of, you know, thoughts and speculation that the you know, players were annoyed at the trade speculation, 
even though they had started the season so poorly, and even though they were still trying to climb their way back into the playoff spot, a little run of success, and, and there was a thought of, wait, why are we being discussed as trade assets right now? We're winning. It's because there's a bigger picture afoot. But again, it's not about dealing with the problem. It's the reputation of how you deal with your problems in that moment that sticks around. Obviously, the coach got let go, and a new coach has been brought in, and they had their success last year. But your reputation of how you deal with that moment sticks around. And here we are again in the same moment, and the same issue is being cropped up again. Earlier today on the 32 Thoughts podcast with Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman, which uh, go subscribe to that, along with... The People's Show, Canucks Central, Canucks Talk, and Halford and Bruff. Always appreciate it on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you grab your podcasts. They were discussing the Vancouver Canucks. And here's what uh, Elliot and Jeff had to say about the Vancouver Canucks. I would like to think that if I was playing on a t- in the NHL on a team where it looked like a coaching change was going to come, that I would still play my heart out. It doesn't matter. Like, just because you might be having a coaching change, it's not licensed for you to take your foot off the gas or or not play as hard. You know, your responsibility is to your team and yourself to show pride in the job you do. It's just impossible to look at this and think that everybody doesn't see what's going on here and everybody is just waiting Mm -hmm. for something to happen. I did have to say, I really got the impression that some of the players are kind of wondering about, you know, the Horvat situation and, and where it's going. Like to me, there's 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 a lot of people in and around the Vancouver Canucks just waiting for something to happen. Why? Why? Like it's it's your job to go out and perform. Don't be a passenger. And you know the 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 types of people especially in a competitive environment that go out and succeed. People of accomplishment do not sit back and let things happen to them. This is a scenario here. Oh, we're just waiting for the coach to get fired. We're waiting for a resolution on another player's contract. First of all, that shouldn't matter at all. But this is letting other people solve a problem, a problem that's been created by performance. You don't want these problems to crop up? Win games. Four wins through the first 16 is not good enough. You can go solve the problem yourself. Not back-checking, not covering lanes, passing lanes on the PK. Do not be a passenger and let these things happen to you. You can go out and do your job and happen to these things. Waited waited idly by for the Travis Green news to to drop. The the, the way it happened and and not understanding what this is. This is competitive sports. You lose games, trade speculation is going to happen. And then we get to this part of the season, and again, more waiting around for, well, maybe the coach will get fired. This is where that that trust fall that I've talked about over and over again, when people say, hey, commit to this core over and over again. For, for what reason? We can't keep having these conversations of personalities and say, they can figure this out. They've not really shown that they are the type of people that are going to figure it out. Some of them are good players, but by and large, this keeps cropping up. That, A, we're just waiting by. Jeffro texting in 650-650. This team isn't waiting. They're just not that good. Even if that's the case, Jeffro, like I, it's, it's fine to say that they're just not good enough. But even if that's the case, compete. This is competitive sports. It's your job to go out. 
and try to push it. Go watch some other teams. You know, I, I know Montreal, a lot of people are just thrilled with the way that they're playing. No one's really looking at that and saying, hey, that's a bona fide team that's for sure going to the playoffs. Yeah, it's 17 points in 15 games for them, but they got a minus one goal differential. It's not perfect by any means, but they're competing. They're making it difficult. We're seeing way too much passive play by the Vancouver Canucks, and it just might be a passive group. Figuring out everything after, you know, we can talk about the power play, we can talk about the penalty kill and five on five, and we can talk, even talk about structure. But too often, there is not enough aggressiveness, aggressiveness in a competitive environment. This being professional sports, you got to go make the situation improve for yourself. And by and large, we see passive performance night after night after night. And I can't get over last night the the first goal. That whole shift, not not even just the the final moment where the goal goes in. That whole shift where there's a turnover in the offensive end, bad tracking back into the defensive end. Connor Garland gets lost. All of Reckman Larson Larson gets lost. Taylor Hall goes through two guys. Finds Clifton, scores a goal. You just watch that whole play. It's lost battle after lost battle after lost battle. And that's what you're seeing. And it manifests into other situations too. It's passive performance. Time in and time out. And we keep doing this thing. It's like, well, what are they going to do? I don't know if this is a team that can actually get out of it. As much as we sit here and say it's on them. Yeah, it's on them. But I don't know if they have the conviction to get out of it. They really haven't shown the effort and the the mental aptitude when we keep having this type of report come out of waiting for something to happen. I think we, we, we all know where this is going, and at some point the club is going to have to do that, and I know there's been speculation uh, over the last 24 hours about a coaching move, but this all could have been solved by even just being 500. They have four wins to begin the year. One of the worst starts in franchise history. 650-650. Again, we'll get to your uh, reaction later on in the show. We'll open up the boards at uh, 3.30. Uh, let you chime in as well. Uh, so so you can have your uh, chance to sound off. Uh, this one, uh, if the whole team gave the effort, the effort that Pedersen and Horvat gave, we would be doing great. Unfortunately, we got toxicity like Miller in the room. Doesn't give a crap about playing a team game. Uh, Caribou Mark saying, I agree with your point, but that's just what Friedman felt. Nobody in the team said that they are waiting. But just look at these performances. It's constant. Standing around. There's no... Pushback is probably the wrong word, but how, how often do we say, boy, they made it tough for the opponent after that 60 minutes? Maybe one game this season? Pittsburgh? That's really about it. Where we where we can sit back and objectively say, wow, that was a tough loss even. Even to just push the tempo. To say, hey, that was just a tough loss. But they, 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 they made the other team earn the two points. It just hasn't really happened. Uh, also, uh, this one coming in. Uh, just because you're a hockey player by profession doesn't mean you are a professional. 
keep the thoughts coming in, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Let's talk to Brendan Batchelor, the voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on Sportsnet 650. Batch, how are you? Uh, I'm good. We're only talking about Alejandro Garnacho, right? We're not talking Canucks today. Let's that's go. What I, that's what I was told. That's what I was told. Garnacho, so, 93rd minute. Unreal, hey? Like, that that kid on that one play showed, like, some of the tenacity and work ethic that you'd like to see from the Canucks, uh, you know, that <laughs> you've been talking about in, in the opening few minutes of your show here. So, uh, love to see a, a kid score a scrappy winner like that late for Man United. And it was a great way to go into the World Cup break. And, and then Cristiano Ronaldo kind of ruined it all. So, <laughs> there you are. Do you want to talk about the Ronaldo stuff? Yes, I do, because I think it's ridiculous um, that he times it, you know, for essentially the day after United's last game. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, like he's done all season, he's taking the spotlight away from a good performance or a good result from his club, right? You know, we saw him walking out when they're beating Tottenham, right? He has to make it about himself when, in fact, the club is, you know, taking steps in the right direction and getting good results against good teams. And then for him to have the audacity to come out and say that he feels betrayed by the club or, you know, criticize the way it's being run when he is doing nothing to help turn it in the right direction. It's, you know, I think it's selfish and, you know, good riddance, get rid of him. That's, yeah. Uh, again, I was, I was going to wait to, to like kind of get into this later on in the show. There are some parts of it where I wholeheartedly disagree. Like the the Eric Ten Hag stuff is like, come on, hey, the, the guy's been on the job for five months here. Let's calm down a little bit about d- disrespect. But like he he's not wrong about some of the Glazer stuff. He's not wrong no. about the the progress the club hasn't made since he's left thirteen fourteen years ago. No, exactly. But what is he doing to help fix it? Right, he's just trying to bail out on it and. You know, if he truly cared about the club, like he says he does, and truly wants to see the club turn things around, then he would be in the trenches, you know, trying to to help with his teammates. Right, but that's got to be reciprocated from above too, right? When the the stadium's falling apart, when there's no training ground development, all that sort of stuff, it's like that's part of living in the competitive environment right now. Oh, yeah, and he's 100% right about all of those things, but again it comes from a place where it's his own self-interest that is leading him to say these Mm -hmm. things, right? Like, to me, I look at that and I say, he doesn't really care about the club. He's just saying these things so that there are media headlines made and they're forced into moving him because he doesn't want to play there anymore because he wants to be in the Champions League. When, in fact, they tried to move him to a Champions League club before the season and none of them wanted him. So, you know, like... Uh, he's not wrong about a lot of those things. United are where they are right now because they've been left behind by other top teams in the Premier League, like City and like Liverpool. But the place it's coming from, from Ronaldo, is complete Mm self-interest. And for him to feign that it's about him caring about the club, to me, is where I get mad about it. For sure. Uh, I, I think there's parts of the message that are good, but it's the worst messenger at a terrible, terrible timing. Uh, well, and, and, it's, it, and that's the other thing about it is it, it's timing that he has specifically chosen, right? Like, uh, to me, all of this has been calculated where, you know, he walks out 
after one of their biggest wins of the season, as they're completing one of their biggest wins of the season, he leaves, and suddenly all the headlines are Ronaldo walked out before the game was over and refused to be subbed on rather than Man United gets huge win over Tottenham. You know, Man United then, the last game before the Christmas break, have this great win with their 18-year-old young star scoring the winner in the 93rd minute. And instead, what happens the next day? The headlines are all about, oh, Cristiano Ronaldo says this. Cristiano Ronaldo says this. That's like it's it's calculated, and that's what frustrates me is that for the first time in like a decade, it seems like this club is actually taking strides in the right direction, and he's cutting his own club out of the knees every time. Fair enough. Uh, we, we 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 can discuss that at, at great length. Uh, but we will. I, 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 I did I did wanted to get your thoughts on it because uh, he's yeah. he's making worldwide news right now with this interview, which by the way doesn't come out for like another three days. So we just get to live in this hellscape until uh, the full ninety minute interview with Piers Morgan uh, eventually comes out. Uh, but hey, the Canucks playing right now, and look, it's it's not going well. And I was kind of making the point off the top. It just it feels like we're playing the same movie again over like last year where we're just waiting this out. And, and generally speaking, like, I understand, you know, things usually take 20 games to see real change across the NHL, whether by trade or coaching moves. I get that point. But, like, the lesson should have been learned last year of, hey, we shouldn't just be passive and sit back. you got to go attack the problem yourself. And we just don't see that. Yeah, and, you know, last year I think was different. Uh in large part because there wasn't a president of hockey operations in place. And, you know, the general manager wasn't being empowered to make the decisions that may have needed to be made. Uh, Because ultimately Jim Benning also lost his job along with Travis Green, you know, just a a little, little over or a little under 12 months ago, I guess. Uh, And it's interesting because I kind of get the feeling now that I had almost exactly a year ago where things were going really poorly. Uh, You know, the team didn't seem to be improving. Everything seemed like it was pointing in one direction. And instead it didn't actually go in that direction for another three weeks or so. And, you know, many people pointed out at the end of last season, you could debate whether it's right or it's wrong, that if the organization had pulled the trigger on the moves that they made around this time last year, you know, they might have had time to save their season and sneak into the playoffs, especially with the way they played down the stretch. So, you know, I don't really know what to expect right now because, you know, Jim Rutherford hasn't been on the job long enough for us to really have a feeling for what he might do, what his M.O. is, when he might, you know, choose to make a move, whether it be a a coaching decision, whether it be a, a player trade, uh, whether it be a player put on waivers, right? Like, who who knows at this point what Jim Rutherford is going to do if he feels action needs to be taken. But at the same time, when he was on uh, with Dan and Sat last week in that great interview, he essentially, to me, and I thought this at the time when I heard it, and now that this road trip is almost over, it seems even more so like he issued somewhat of an ultimatum to this group where he said, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll see how this road trip goes, but if things continue to go the way they're going, and I'm paraphrasing him here, I don't have the exact quote off the top of my head, but he essentially said, if things keep to keep trending downwards, then after this road trip, we're going to have to do something to get the attention of the players. So again, 
you know, does that mean it's Bruce Boudreaux? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Um, you know, I, I guess it all depends on, you know, are you going to go the interim route? Are you going to bring in some of the names that we've heard floated around like Rick Tockett? Um, you know, are you trying to salvage this season? I think is another key question in this narrative because, you know, externally, outside the organization, lots of people are saying, and, and I believe rightfully so, that, you know, the chances of you saving this season with the way it started are, are not very high. And the likelihood that this team goes on another Bruce, there it is, miracle run like they did last season, you know, it's not very likely to happen. And even if it does, you know, it wasn't enough for them to, to sneak back into the playoffs last year. So, you know, should you be looking to save this season or should you be shifting your attention to more long-term team building and, you know, also to a certain extent, talking about a coaching change. If you make a coaching change now, then essentially the message you're sending to this group is all you have to do is play badly for 10 or 15 games and we'll give you a new coach because it happened last year mm-hmm. and we're going to do it again this year. And that is the wrong message to send to a group that has serious issues with itself, right? Regardless of who's coaching, because we've seen them do this, what, three straight years now where they've started very poorly under two different head coaches. You know, to me, that that shows that the common denominator is not the coach, it's the players. And, you know, as much as you want to see change, you want to see your organization do something when things are going this badly, part of me just says, you know what, let these guys sit and marinate in it and try and figure out a way to get themselves out of it because with the way they've played and the effort they've shown this season, they may not deserve you know, being bailed out by a management group, bringing in a new head coach or making a major player trade. Yeah, and and so far, like we were talking a little bit last night, um, that so far this season, obviously there hasn't there hasn't been improvement on a team level uh, as far as their their cohesive play. You know, we can talk about structure and all that sort of stuff. Are are you noticing any improvement from individuals? Like like who stood out to you so far? That's okay. This guy has taken a step. How many guys do you look at? Oh, it's pretty short list. Um, Luke Shen. Yeah, I, I was going to say, list. it feels like even at his age, it feels like, okay, there's there, there's another wrinkle to his game at least. Yeah, I mean, he's he's adding points, right? He's contributing offensively. He leads the team in plus minus. He leads the NHL in hits. Um, for what he is and the amount you're paying him, you could not get more out of Luke Shen. Um, so that's a guy whose game, I think, has been there, has been solid, has been consistent throughout this season. Um, you might be able to say that Niels Hoaglander has improved a bit, although the production you mm-hmm. know, is still not there to the level you'd like. I've seen some things I like out of Hoaglander, and you know, he, at least at the moment, is playing more consistently than when he was being healthy scratched, although I'm sure part of that is you know, the, the Tanner Pearson injury kind of forcing Boudreaux's hand to a certain extent. Um, you know, Bo Horvat, of course, has been great individually, right? He continues to pile up the points. He continues to be a beast in the face-off circle. And he's really the only guy on this team that can win a face-off for them consistently right now. Uh, I haven't looked at the numbers uh, since the game last night, but going into the game yesterday, he was the only guy above 50% on the draws, and he was essentially at 60% or, or just shy of that as 
you know, compared to a Bruins team that has four guys that are 54% in the circle or better. Um, and I know that face-offs are a small part of the game, but at the same time, they've been a big part of the game for the Canucks because how often have we seen them lose the first face-off on a penalty kill and 10 seconds later, the puck's in the back of their net. Um, so to me, Horvat's a guy that's pulling on the rope in the right direction. Shen is a guy like that. You could talk about Hoaglander. I think JT Miller's been up and down, but I've liked some of the things that I've seen from him individually in the last few games, although at the same time, there's the bad giveaway in Montreal. You know, there's there's still some of those hallmark plays in Miller's game that um, that leave more to be desired. Um, but, you know, as I'm trying to think through this off the top of my head, Nick, like, there aren't many other names that I could put on that list. Is there anyone that, that stands out to you that I'm I'm not talking about? I guess Pedersen's in there as well. Yeah. But, like, that's, that's a guy that you would expect to be good. Hughes has produced consistently. Like, those guys I'm not worried about. I'm never worried about. They've been good. They will be good, whether the team's winning or losing. But, you know, again, like, that that's about the extent of it for me. Yeah, the two big ones for me are, are, are Elias Pettersson and Luke Shen that look like, A, that there's, there's improvements to where they were from last season and into this season, and it's also sustained as well through this 16 game. So, you know, how you come into this from game one to game 16, are you making adjustments to your own game? I might throw Ilya Mikheyev as well in that group. It's eight points in 13 games. It's It was a tough start as well, but how much of that was coming from injury and are you making steps? But realistically, like, Connor Garland, I, I don't I don't see any improvements in that game. Like yesterday, that the goal against those two really soft plays, and you know Brock Besser. Like there's another one. It's like where's where's the next evolution of Brock Besser coming from? When you're at an age now, it's like you've kind of gone through your statistical prime, and then you're supposed to round out into the best version of yourself. You're 25 years old, and we're not really seeing any sort of evolution from where he was three four years ago. Yeah, I'm willing to give Besser a bit of a mulligan just because of the injuries he's faced so far this year where he missed all of camp uh, with the hand surgery and then came back and the cut opens up and he's going to miss, I think it was, what, another four or five games, something like that. Might have been even six games that he had to sit out. So, you know, for a guy that was excited coming into training camp after a healthy summer, feeling good, you know, had the quote at at camp in Whistler that this was going to be the year that he was going to score 30 goals – you know, it's been a tough start for him now that, you know, we're, what, 16 games into the year, and he hasn't been able to find the back of the net yet. But that said, when these injuries happen, you know, how, how easy is it going to be to get kick-started? It's, it's probably not going to be. So I'll give Besser another, I don't know, five or ten games before I start jumping on that bandwagon. But at the same time, yeah, you know, you, you need everybody that you can pulling on the rope right now if you want to try and turn things around. And and Besser, you know, maybe hasn't been a big part of the problem to this point, but he also hasn't been part of the solution. Uh, the the other big kind of elephant in the room that, you know, some people feel like we don't talk about enough is the goaltending uh, with Thatcher Demko. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would make the point that the defense has been a bigger issue and solve that, and we'll see how the, the goaltending suddenly looks. But uh, overall, uh, you know, what's what's your impression of what we've seen from Thatcher Demko so far? He just doesn't look confident to me right now. And I'm not sure why. I mean, you know, at this point in the season, I understand why, because he's had such a a tough go of it so far. But, you know, based on the way he played last year, and I know, you know, he he had a procedure in the offseason and is coming off an injury, but 
you know, he's talked about the fact that that didn't really hamper his offseason too much. And, you know, he got to Vancouver early and spent lots of time working with Ian Clark. Um, so, you know, it, it's sort of puzzling. And it kind of might just be one of those things that happens sometimes where, you know, any of us in life will go through stretches where maybe we're not as confident in ourselves as, as we should be or we are normally or we have self-doubt or or any of those kinds of things. And when you're an NHL goaltender in a Canadian market who's expected to be, you know, people were talking about him as a potential Vezina winner coming into the season, that's a lot of pressure to have on you uh, if, if you're having a, a tough go of it mentally. So, you know, I'm not worried about Demko in the long term. He's going to find his game again. He's too good of a goaltender. He works too hard for him to continue to to struggle like this but at the same time you know we talk about this a lot goaltending is kind of voodoo right where we don't necessarily understand it and, and goaltenders that look like they're really good one year struggle the next year so this may just be a down year for Thatcher Demko and unfortunately it comes at a time where the group in front of him isn't good enough to help him get through this rough stretch so you know these things compound on each other where the defense isn't good enough. The forwards aren't helping out enough. The goaltending is struggling. And we get to the point now where they've only won four games to this point in the season. So, you know, that is kind of why this feels like a downward spiral that's heading towards some sort of big change is because of those three elements of this team, nothing is working the way it should. The only thing is that they aren't having problems scoring goals, but at the same time, defensively and in their own end and you know the forwards of their defensive play too I think you know need to come under more criticism and I've plugged this a bunch of times on the air but anybody that hasn't read it needs to go read Justin Bourne's piece about this and about how the forwards need to help out the defense a lot more and that's not me you know trying to give the defense a pass or or let them off the hook by any it's just the truth to be better too but you know all elements of this team are not good enough right now and the goaltending is included in that if the group in front of them could play in front of Demko and Martin could play a little bit better, then it would allow Demko to work through whatever he's going through right now without, you know, it being the pressure of there's another goal. There's another game where we've given up three plus goals and there's another game that we've lost as a result. Batch, uh, always love it as always. Uh, and uh, get ready for the World Cup, pal. It's coming home. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks a lot. See ya. Thank uh, you. It's uh, Brendan Bachelor joining us here on The People Show. On the other side. Before you go, I'm curious because you're Canadian. He's Canadian. Mm -hmm. You both cheer for England. I don't. Oh, you don't. Not anymore. When, when, when did I ever? I thought you did. Anyway, Never. Uh, to the point I'm trying to make when Batch says that, do you think it's coming home to Canada or do you think he's saying it's coming home to England? Ooh, uh, I'll just answer yes. Oh, come on. I, I think he's saying it for both. I don't think he is. No, he definitely is. I think he's saying it for England. No, I think it's for both. It's the taste of betrayal. <laughs> is, is he pulling a, a Cristiano Ronaldo? Yeah. All right. He's tired of Nike. He's tired of the CSB. <laughs> uh, Brendano Bachelor, is that what we're calling him? <laughs> All right, uh, on the other side, uh, it's your show, The People's Show, 604-280-0650. Grab a phone line. What's on your mind through uh, the first 16 games of the Vancouver Canucks season? Your chance to sound off here on The People's Show on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
604-280-0650 if you want to grab a phone line. Reaction Mondays. It's your show for the rest of the way. You got something to say? Let's hear you sound off on it. Uh, you can grab a phone line. Uh, before we get to that, though, uh, broadcasting live from the Kintech studio, Bick Nazar here on The People's Show. Let's do the People's Picks, brought to you by Play Now Sports. Every game will feel like the big game when you bet with Play Now Sports. Brought to you by BCLC. Commanders, Eagles, tonight. Will they cause an upset and the league's only undefeated team fall? No, they won't. Eagles win in this game, but, hey, the spread's the great equalizer. Commanders plus 11, that's what I'm looking at uh, on playnow.com. Big six, by the way, three for three. Getting by, surviving, surviving. The definition of mid. Uh, yes, uh, but that was last week. Hey, we're doing great on the season, though. Rebounding in a big way. Uh, but Commanders plus uh, 11 is what I'm looking at tonight. If you're looking for a prop, Jalen Hurts rushing. Bright lights, Monday night. Get those legs moving a little bit. Over 39 and a half yards for Jalen Hurts on the ground. That's what I'm keeping an eye on for the uh, emerging quarterback. On a, on a weekend where a, a lot of guys had some good weekends. Tua continues to impress. He's got to stay stay in the chase for the MVP conversation. Jalen Hurts over 39 and a half rushing yards. Paying out at 1.8. That's the people's picks. Brought to you by PlayNow Sport. When you choose to bet on sports at PlayNow.com, you're playing on the only site whose profits go back to BC. Know your limit. Play within it. Uh, so I said I was going to turn the show over to you. 604-280-0650. Also 650-650 uh, with what you want to say as well into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, a lot coming in here as well. Uh, this one, UBC Pete. Canucks have the ability to do one thing right this season. It's not a coaching change. It's not a trade. It's tanking to get Bedard. Vic, we don't have the mediocrity. We need a proper tank. I, I generally don't like tanking. I'm a competitive person. Tanking is the exact opposite of that. I understand the rewards of it. I get the philosophy, okay? Uh, I'm okay with naturally losing. I, I can process that. I hate tanking, man. It just it breaks the competitive spirit. So if it's for you, I get it, but it's just not for me. William and Langley, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. There was one thing clear on this road trip. Players like Myers and OEL are purposefully undermining good habits among young players and Bruce's ability to make sure his voice is heard. Second, I like Miller, but if Horvat leaves, he should not be the captain. Give the seat to Shed, who's the only one showing good habits, heart, and being shamefully underpaid. OEL, Myers, and Pearson do not belong in this organization. They got to go, not Bruce. That's William and Langley. 604-280-0650. Again, it's your show uh, the rest of the way. You can also chime in, 650-650. Uh, let's go to the phones. Gary in Maple Ridge. Gary, welcome to the People Show. What's going on? Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank the producer for letting me on. Um, no, I'm, uh, I've been watching the Canucks for many years. Uh, and I've been listening to your the, your the shows on this station ever since they uh, started this year, and they've been talking about the awful penalty killing. And I think myself, penalty killing has got a lot to do with 
getting the sticks to the lanes and uh, just keeping your position and also being aggressive. Uh, one team that is great at penalty killing is the number one team in the league right now, and we all know who that is. But I also think it's got a lot to do with coaching, and I wanted to know what your uh, what your thought of, of that was. And also one other point is, and I don't know what you think about this, but uh, if we make a trade, say Bo Horvat or Brock Besser, it may not be that great because Calgary made a trade with Florida, and Calgary is where they are, and Florida is where, where they are. And I wanted to wanted you to find out what you thought about that. I'll turn off my radio and. Uh, Listen to for your comments. Thank for you. sure. Thanks a lot, Gary. Again, 650-650 if you want to text in. Also, 604-280-0650 if you want to grab a phone line. So the, the coaching on the PK, uh, look, it, it's a massive problem. That's why we're having conversations about, is this the end for Bruce Boudreau here in Vancouver? Because the PK has not made strides at all. It, what we saw last year, and obviously, look, Bradshaw goes out. Different opportunity for him. I personally, if, if someone's kind of looking and saying, hey, I have another opportunity for the coach that I get along with and I have a long history with, I don't have a big problem with the Canucks saying, okay, go explore that opportunity in Philadelphia. But, you know, it was one of the concerns coming into the season where if he departed, how are you going to replace that? And it hasn't lived up to a standard because we're seeing this PK continually just get caved in and there's not a lot of confidence and and Gary makes a good point look a lot of it is you know sticks in the right lane being in good position timing your aggressiveness you know too often they're over aggressive chasing on opportunities when they shouldn't chase and it opens up lanes where guys can easily pass around it and create new seam passes for them we just haven't seen uh, consistent play on the PK since you know the tail end of last season, it was one of the concerns. What would we see? Would it revert back to uh, that power kill style, or would it go back to what we saw in the first uh, 25 games in the season? And it's gone back to the first 25 games. Not even a middle ground there. It's completely reverted back to what we saw in the earlier part of the season. Uh, some thoughts coming in. Uh, competitive spirit is hilarious. Sports is all about money. Let's not kid ourselves. Roll the tanks into town and our guy uh, on Twitter at Taze5 uh, with multiple Zs in there, Amar, saying in this case the competitive drive is already dead so it's prime for a tank. Uh, <laughs> some people going after my competitive spirit. Look, it's, it's more about the organization's point of view on this I you know what opportunity you're providing for your players you know we talked about in, in the post bubble offseason where you know the, the financial investment wasn't extended to players like Toffoli and Tanev and Markstrom did that spurn the players to say hey are you really committed to the idea of winning here just coming off the bubble, we've made some progress. We're ready. To, we're ready to take another step. Why aren't Why aren't you extending the correct offers to these players? And does that break an athlete's competitive spirit? That is my like cardinal rule that you do not try to tamper with. You've got to at least show the players that you are giving them the opportunities to get better, succeed, 
and thrive on the ice. You have to do that. And if it was broken for the players then, to then do it now again, you're you're also trying to shepherd the next wave of talent here. Of and by wave, I mean like Thatcher Demko, Queen Hughes, and Elias Pettersson. If you, after already doing that, then do it again now and say, "Hey, 16 game of the season, we're tanking." That's alarming. And how do you get that trust back with the players to continue to ask them for their investment? both physically and emotionally and mentally, into their own growth, into an organization that are you abusing their opportunity to compete? And and, and you see how much players do care. Like even just go back to Thatcher Demko's admission of wanting to see Ian Clark retained here. Because he knows. It's like, hey, if Ian Clark stays here, I'm going to get better. We got a five-year relationship that we can continue to grow upon. If he's here, I'm going to get better. If he, if he, if Ian Clark walked out the door, that's another opportunity for Thatcher Demko to say, "What are you doing as an organization to help me get better?" And and that's why I push back on the tanking thing, just because it's just it it breaks the mold of what you're supposed to do. There's rewards to it, I get it. And people are texting in, well, "It's like, hey, look, the Penguins, the, the they did it." Uh, the, the the Penguins also happened to lose naturally for years, and you know they they wind up getting Sidney Crosby, of course. Like, look, the, 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 that's a massive reward for for winning that. But let's not forget that they also managed to get so many pieces prior to Sidney Crosby even arriving. He's the best piece and the most important piece by far. But you go through that group of players that came up in that those late two thousands. Um, a lot of them were required well before Sidney Crosby was picked first overall. You know, Brooks Orpik, Corey Armstrong, uh, Ryan Malone, Max Talbot, Flurry, Malkin, Scuderi. Not all these guys are needle movers, but so many of the pieces were acquired prior to Sidney Crosby even arriving. And I'm pretty sure the summer, it was either the summer of the lockout. Uh, or the summer they were coming back, or the season after, but they spent on Sergei Gonchar. I'm pretty sure it was before Crosby had even played a game, but that was something that's like, hey, we, we, we got some guys now, let's go spend. The, the, they acquired a ton of pieces. Crosby just turns out to be kind of a the, the most important piece, but there was a lot of infrastructure already built, and that's why it flips so quickly, not just because of the greatness of Sidney Crosby, because so many other pieces were there. Washington was more of a... It's completely barren, and that's why probably it's taken them, you know, 12, 13 years to get to a stage of drafting Ovi and finally winning the cup because he had to go through the phase of getting backs from a draft later, getting Kuznetsov at some point. They went through way more to try to establish everything, and, and it's reflected in how long it took for them to get to the promised land. Uh, Jeffro trading Bo is a good start to tanking. Uh, I, I think that was the other point uh, Gary was making. Just the the fear of the trade. Look, it, look, I, I've made my piece known on 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 Horvat. It's it's more just an equation now of how do you intend to flush the organization with assets? What what levers can you pull now? Even if you think Bo Horvat's going to be a fifty goal scorer, first line center, the way this team is playing right now. It, it just doesn't register. They, they can score goals. They just need to improve in so many other facets. 
and they need organizational depth. And right now, Bo Horvat's goal scoring is a obviously it's, it's it's he's producing, but they have way bigger problems to solve than just hey, should we sign a Bo Horvat contract? And the timeline here is his contract is just running out. It's unfortunate if you're a Horvat fan, but whatever it is, it's there's only like forty some odd games, fifty some odd games here before the deadline, uh, till it's, till the real decision has to get made. And there's just way bigger problems to solve outside of just, well, what does Bo Horvat mean for the next four, five, six, seven, eight years, however long you want that deal to be, most likely seven or eight years. That's the big problem. It's it's how do you start to infuse the next wave of talent? Because this can't persist the way the Canucks are playing right now, four, nine, and three. And and you go back to the past two seasons as well. We talked about it on the postgame show last night. In the first 20 games of the season, plus the 16 this year. So that's a 56-game sample. They play 375 hockey in the start of the season. It's on, what is that, 61, 62-point pace? That's at the starts of season. That is brutal. So even if someone's scoring goals, it, it, it's about a bigger picture. And, and, and go look at the, the goals for a column right now um, for the Vancouver Canucks or, or just uh, across the league. And just go look at the goal differential for the teams around them. Obviously, goals are good, right? But you look at Boston, it's like a plus 30 goal differential. Vegas, plus 22. These are the leaders in goal four and what their differential is. Edmonton and LA are plus and minus one. But then it's plus 18, plus 17, plus three, plus two, plus 12, minus 13, plus seven, plus four. There's one anomaly in there. And it's your Vancouver Canucks because they are the leading goals right now. Uh, 650, 650. Uh, keep coming in with your thoughts as well. Uh, this one, uh, Marcus and Gibson's don't tank, but don't go on a five game win streak to end the season. That's been the Canucks MO for a few years. Hot runs that fall short of the playoffs. Don't leave them in the mushy middle of the draft order. Marcus and Gibson's, uh, also unsigned text here. You're talking gibberish. The Canucks have been naturally losing for 10 years. If this is the end result, it ain't working and can't be fixed. They need to restart. Who cares about players on the current roster? Also, they sucked and got Crosby and all the pieces at this stage. What is more years on top of 10? That's Gary. That's Gary? Gary, yeah. Just Gary. It's like Hulk. Just Gary. No. It's not a thing. Uh... Yeah, well, the Penguins, again, the Penguins didn't tank. They just lost and then got lucky with the lottery. That, that's what you're looking for here. If you want to play the game of well, it doesn't matter, you don't care, I, I think it's also about a, a skin in the game where fans can have the opportunity to say, well, if you're tanking, I can come back in two years. You're also burning years off people's careers. Not just players, but executives. You wear that and say, hey, this this might be my one opportunity to be an executive in the league. That's why the the investment part of it is also important to, to consider. This might be Patrick Alvin's only opportunity to be a GM. Is he going to risk tanking for two, three seasons and worry about all those prospects coming through? Also, the financial investment from ownership. Not, not just this ownership, but across the leagues. That's why tanking is hard to do. Because at some point, someone's going to get scared and say, you know what? Maybe I'm not in, up for five years. 
the financial skin in the game is different from a fan's point of view who have great emotional attachment to it. But it is like a, a faucet. If you choose to say, hey, tanking is a great idea, but for two years, I'm only going to watch 50% of the games instead of 95% of the games. That's a luxury you get. The money and the time on people's lives is real. It's tangible. But your passion can subside at your willingness. That's that's a tough part of tanking too. Uh, 650-650. Last one, getting OEL was the start to building the coffin. Signing Miller was the last nail in the coffin. Now we need to tank for three years. Uh, 650-650. Uh, what's that? That's a bit hot. Three, three years? years? No, that's a bit. And also, uh, how much is Aquilini paying this guy to stop the rebuild talk? I've talked about trading Bo Horvat yeah. for three seasons. Whatever you want to call what I'm trying to propose, you can call it whatever you want. I've talked about trading Horvat, Garland, Besser, over and over again. The timing of it matters here. But like as far as what this season is, it's kind of over. But it's it's a tough to move money right now. That's like real money. Like you're probably gonna have to retain on Horvat. You can open up opportunities that way. But it is tough to functionally move money right now. Three teams have got about seventy percent of the cap space right now. That's what it is. So if if you want to find destinations for where to move money. Very difficult. Very difficult. You're going to have to make the money work and you have to find ways to make that type of trade or even take money back, which is fine. I'm, I'm pro that idea too. Take a bad contract back. But these to make a clean hockey trade of getting a contract off the books, man, there's not a, mo- a lot of money available right now. Unless you are Arizona, Anaheim, and I believe the other team is Buffalo that has cap space. That's Those three teams have... 70% of the cap space across the league right now. It's tough to find trading partners for substantial deals. That opportunity is going to come later on in the season, December, January, February, once teams get a bit more money available to them through injuries. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of what Dan Riccio and Satya Shaw are going to talk about as well with Frank Saravelli. He'll join them as he does every Monday on Canuck Central. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow on the Games No People Show. Uh, if you want to listen to Yannick Hansen, as he does usually every Tuesday on the People Show, he's going to be on Canucks Talk again tomorrow with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. That's it for the People Show. We're out of here. We'll talk to you tomorrow.